welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that, when Tim Kroll grew up, He really wanted to be a cowboy. He wanted to be self-reliant, but also dependable because there were so many people in his life as a child who were not those things. In adulthood, however, he ended up taking on a lot of responsibility and then ultimately found himself one day trying to beat up a garage door that had fallen down. That was a turning point in Tim's life. He felt like an idiot for acting like that in front of his wife and kids, and he knew he had to change things. That's when a mentor helped Tim realize that he was totally drained. He walked away from his highly successful e-commerce business and started journaling and reflecting with the help of books like Master the Key and the Be Fulfilled Journal. This led him to discover his true purpose, helping others grow. He now helps business owners to get unstuck, whether it's with their strategy or sales and marketing. But what he loves most about coaching is helping entrepreneurs do the important things like spending more time with their family. A huge part of his journey has involved giving up control and letting God take care of the results of his work. As he says, it's definitely a test of faith. There was a, This is a fun conversation, a ton of value in this conversation with Tim Kroll, who was a, a, a huge proponent of Master the Key when it first came out and posted a four-minute long video on Facebook sharing his thoughts about the impact that that book had in his life. So I'm incredibly grateful and honored for him to join me on the show and share his story. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Tim, what did you dream about being when you were a kid? (laughs) You know, it's... uh... This is the second time I've had this question, and I absolutely love the question because when I give the answer, everybody's like, really? And uh, we actually did a little survey. We did a question, and most people never guess what it was I dreamed of. So when I gave the answer, it was like, so what did you dream about as far as being a kid? And I I can tell you 100%, I always dreamed about being a cowboy. I wanted to be one of those free guys out on the range, riding my horse, saving the town, beating the bad guy, whatever. I wanted to be a cowboy through and through. Six gun shooters and everything, man. <laughs> so you wanted to be curly, basically. Uh, I was thinking more like John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> well, Curly's a, Curly's a legendary cowboy as well, you know, because he asked the most important question ever, which is, you know, what's your one thing? And so when you think about your dreaming... Who were the people in your life that helped cultivate your ability to dream as a kid? Now, this is a tougher question. And I I mean, like we, you got deep real quick. So (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) But when you're talking about that, as far as cultivating the dreams, I honestly didn't have a whole lot of people 
that were speaking into my life while I was a kid, mm. I pretty much had to figure it out on my own. And so those that spoke into me, and and this sounds crazy, but quite frankly, those that spoke into the reason why I wanted to be a cowboy is because I loved the Lewis Lamore books. So all of those books created that dream as far as how I was going to grow up and what I was going to become. And it kind of formed a lot of the moral compass of what I had because of reading those books. Uh, my par- We were latchkey kids, so I didn't have a whole lot of uh, direct influence with my parents at that time. And then there was a lot of the, and maybe I'm getting too deep too quick and you can stop me and back me up here, but there were a lot of adults in my life too, that made a lot of promises, everything from, Hey, we're going to go fishing or we're going to go hunting. And then it never happened. Mm. And so it led me to basically go back to the whole idea of the cowboy and the fact that, well, if nobody else is going to walk with me, then I'm just going to do it myself. The cowboy um, is self-reliant, but the cowboy yep. is also dependable. People can depend mm-hmm. on him. So I can totally see how that that figure became important to you because not only did you want to be, you know, independent and autonomous because you were, but you also wanted to be everything that the people in your life weren't for you, which was dependable, reliable, resourceful, all of that. Right. Does that mean yeah. is that am I putting well, words I in your we mouth or is that I was going to say, I thought we were going to take longer to unpack that, but dude, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, this this does come into uh, Master the Key pretty pretty closely because you and I actually have never met personally. Right. We, we have a mutual friend in Tony Grebmeyer. We both were part, have been involved in his Be Fulfilled community. Um, and you were one of the incredible supporters of the book. And what was cool about that for me, from my point of view, is when I launched the book, you know, I knew obviously like friends and family and immediate network were going to really support me. And then one day on Facebook, I got I was tagged in a picture of one of your sunset pictures. You were out <laughs> sitting on a swing and you had taken a picture of my book and tag and tagged me in it. As you were watching a sunset, and uh, which is totally cowboy, also by the way, uh, <laughs> but uh, but you know, and then and then there wasn't anything for a while, and then you know, a, a few weeks later, maybe two three weeks later, I get tagged in a four minute and forty four second video of you doing a book review from the book, and it deeply touched me because you. You know, I I know when I'm writing the book that I, my hope is that it has a positive impact in the lives of others, right? That it's not right. just something that will sit on a, a shelf and collect dust, but that the message will will be transformational in people's lives. And and I wanted that because I really felt called by God to write this book. Right. Um, and and so when when we when you think about and you can go anywhere you want as it relates to the, these four pieces of, of, the, of the key. But I first wanted to say thank you for your support. But when you think about how much the world is wrapped up in the pursuit of status and achievement, and, and many of us have attached, we've chained our sense of value and worth to the realization of those things. In our brief conversations, and even in the just a few minutes that we've been here. I know that you've struggled with 
balancing all of that out personally. How how have you struggled with dealing with the pursuit of status and achievement, but also realizing that your value is not chained to those things? Wow. How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) When you're looking at all of the things, I think the number one realization, and we'll probably work backwards, but this is the, the key concept of the takeaway, is the fact that I have no control over results. And I know that sounds really odd and crazy, but um, if it's cool with you, I mean, Jordan Rayner, I'm going to bring up his book because his book has left an impact on me as well. Um, but when he talks about the, yeah, the trust, the hustle and rest, it, that was an eye-opening piece. And then tied in with all of the components that you're talking about inside of your book and on both of those things working hand in hand, allow you to be, to walk down a journey and walk down a path. So the key concept that I'm looking at is I grew up again. So let me relate back to the cowboy part of it is that you are reliable. If it's going to be, I'm going to one, I'm going to figure it out. I, I like chaos. I seem to be very comfortable in chaos. And so I gravitate to that, even though it drains me emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, it drains me in all of the four key areas of life. I, I still want to go back to that because that's what I thought was normal growing up through my life, through everything. I thought that that's the way everybody lives their lives. Mm-hmm. And so by accepting that responsibility, accepting that weight or the mantle of being a cowboy and modeling all of the traits that I thought were what would make a good man, part of that is you always accept responsibility, whether you know you do good or not do good or whatever. You, you, you fix the chaos, you save the town, you rid the bad guy, you seek justice, and you control all of the results. And so growing up with that belief and that mindset, it got to the point, and I know in your book you talk about, um, the, I don't want to call it a tragedy, but the turning point of, uh, of the guy that's, that you, you modeled in there was the fact that he had a heart attack because he dedicated so much to that. To be quite frank, I had a breaking point as well. And it happened approximately two years ago when, but let me lead up to the story part of this because all my life I've done e-com. And again, just understanding the foundation that I'm always attempting to control the results. I need to make the money. I need to bring in the sales. I need to do that. So I'm always trying to control those results, right? And I've done that in my entire life. And then all of a sudden, stepping into the e-com world, I built a couple of companies that were, you know, million dollar companies doing, I mean, Sunfrog did $7 million a month, which it's huge numbers. But to be honest, I look back and it's like, I don't really care about the number. That's just what everybody else talks about. The challenge is, is that it was, it was draining me physically. It was draining me mentally, spiritually. And, and um, it, it was just taking all of that. And every fourth quarter, because e-com is products, that was our go time. And if we didn't hit the numbers or we didn't do this or we didn't make more than we did last year, then that was my responsibility. I had to control those results, right? Mm-hmm. Then you add on top of that the layer of the fact that you've got your family responsibilities, not just your own personal, like your wife and your kids. You also have the you know grandparents and you've got siblings and you've got other things that are demanding your time, demanding your energy, demanding all of the things that are going on. Plus, you got the financial response. Like all of this weight is just piling and piling and piling on you. And as you go through your life, you, you find and you realize like, wow, okay, I'll just keep accepting it. I'll keep it, you know, I, I'm 
strong enough, you know, the whole John Wayne type thing. I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. And as you go through that, you get to the point where the weight of the world is too heavy for one individual, right? And that's where I was. So fourth quarter, Christmas time, we end up going and I spent time with my parents. That At that point in time, it was extremely emotionally draining. There was a flood in the basement. We ended up staying up all night trying to get this water out of the basement because of some things that were going on. Now I'm physically drained. We get in the car the next day. We drive the 12 hours back here to the house. I'm Mentally, I'm just fried from driving. So spiritually, emotionally, I'm drained. Mentally, I'm drained. I'm just completely wiped out, right? The garage door falls down and something broke in my brain. Like it just, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back kind of a thing. And I went all WWE on the garage door. Like I was going to get through this garage door because I was going to control it. I was going to control how I was going to get through. So like the the big elbows and I'm kicking the door and I'm beating the door. Meanwhile, there's this little chirping, you know, like when you have an alarm that's got a dead battery mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the back of your head. So this is chirping that's going on in the back of my head and you ignore it at first, but then suddenly it's like, gets louder and louder and louder. And I realized as I'm beating the crap out of this door, in my mind, I'm like, I'm just going to get through it because this is just another obstacle that I'm going to blow through. In the back of my mind, I'm realizing my wife and my kids are sitting in the car. They're watching me act like this. They're actually, they're watching me act like a buffoon and being an idiot on something that is so, so minor in, in reality. And when I came to that realization, it, it, I had to sit down and say, okay, what the heck is going on? Not only in my own life that's causing this. But what, what's, how do I fix it? Like, how do I actually come to the point of being able to say, okay, this is not right. This is going to kill me. And, I, you know, side note here, why does it always take these extreme types of circumstances to get us to change, right? I mean, why can't mm-hmm. we just change normally? But, mm-hmm. but that's what it took. And so I, I was realizing this. And so I had to sit down. Fortunately, I had already engaged with a mentor at that time. And I, I brought it up to him. I said, look, I don't know what's going on. And um, as a great mentor that he is, he started walking through and asking questions and we started dissecting and understanding is like, you understand that you, you're just drained. I mean, there's just nothing left for you to be able to give to anybody else. And so as I looked at that and started reflecting and, and you talk a lot about journaling, the power of journaling is so important and, and looking back and understanding why you do what you do and some of the beliefs and the formations that you've done, like I did as far as a kid, believing I had to take care of everything and debunking some of those beliefs. At the end of the day, I had to go back and apologize to my kids and say, look, as a position of authority in your life, you do have to honor that. But you don't have to respect my actions. And it was a really eye-opening, a great lesson that I was able to teach. I had to go back and apologize to my wife because of acting like that and just the fact that I had neglected a lot of those things. So it was probably the that one key element, that one key experience in my life. I go back and that was a, tit- a titanic or tectonic shift in my mm-hmm. And, and where I was going and what was going on. And from that point on was when I realized and started finding, and, and I truly believe God put some of these things in place, like the called to create book and the master, the key book, and some of these things that were there, plus having some great mentors. And since that time, it's been to me an unbelievable journey. And that's been about three years now of basically unpacking what I thought was true what I grew up believing to be true, and then assessing and saying, are these things real? 
Mm. Are these beliefs that I've held all my life the way that I'm supposed to be living? So or what false stories? Let me. I want to. Yeah. I want to ask. I want to ask a question because yeah. it, it ties directly into what you're just about to say. So I want to. I want to ask this question, and and say you had that that moment, that wine cellar moment, right? Mm-hmm. Where where you're down on the wine cellar, and so far you're the crushed fruit, but you don't understand what the crushed fruit can do, right? Right. And and so what false stories? Did you have to let go of in order to move forward? <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> the one exercise that I did with my mentor, and it took me probably six to nine months to walk through this. Um, it's probably one of the most powerful exercises, and I've done this with a couple of individuals, is we broke my life into 10-year segments. So from 0 to 10, 11 to 20, 21 to 30, so on and so on. And I looked at each of the events, circumstances, scenarios that, that left an impression on me. And I just, I just took, the, basically it was the first 30 days. All I did was I just took all of those things and I wrote down each of those things. And I, I'll give you a couple of examples of what I mean. Like, for example, when I was between my 11 and, and 20s in that section, there were two main things. Number one was the fact that I was told as a kid, don't tell anybody else that it's your birthday, right? Don't tell them that it's you know a time of celebrating your birthday. You can have friends over, but don't tell them that it's your birthday. And that was one situation. Uh, another situation is I recall very clearly my dad had back surgery and he was stuck on the couch for several months and he would crawl from the couch over into his bed every day, back and forth. Um, and that was another really large moment. I remember other times we were locked out of the house. I remember like I, I would sit down and I would write each one of these things down. And that was the very first step of this project. The second step of the project was, what did I conclude to be true, this false story? What did I conclude to be true out of that situation? So looking at the situation, I uh, cannot share that it's my birthday. Conclusion, false belief, or false story is that birthdays are not important. We don't celebrate birthdays. So fast forward that, get married at 21. We have a child. My first son, his first birthday is coming up. My wife goes out and she spends like $100 for decoration. In my mind, I'm like, what the heck are you doing, girl? <laughs> we don't celebrate birthdays. That's a, that's a belief. That's a, that's a statement that I would say was 100% true. So I had to go back and evaluate. So my wife, as she was growing up, they celebrated birthdays. They had a big party. They had the cakes. They had people coming over. They had the gifts. And so I had to really sit down and say, okay, is this belief a true belief or is it a false belief? Hmm. If it's a true belief, then let's back it up with principles and let's back it up with facts. If it's a false belief, you need to change that. And that goes right in line. So whether I call it a false belief or a false story, it's the exact same thing. The other thing that, again, remember the the story about my, my father crawling back and forth, looking at that, I accepted the responsibility to take care of my mom, my brother, and my sister. Now, most people, when they say accept the responsibility, okay, yeah, that's that's good. You're stepping up. You're doing it. But what most people, what other people don't understand is When I say that I accept a responsibility, what that meant was I accept a responsibility for their actions, for their decisions, and for everything that they did, which is completely false. 
Mm-hmm. So anytime that my brother messed up, who was there to jump in and save him? Me. Anytime my sister messed up, I jumped in and saved. Anytime my mom had an issue, I would jump in there and save. And so I became that, what going back to the original thing, we talked about the cowboy and you see how all this stuff ties together. Yeah. I had that belief that I could save and I could change and I could do all of that stuff on my own, not realizing that it's completely draining me and that I, I wasn't, I'm not physically capable of doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So those are just two of many that I've worked through, you know, like you're talking about the wine cellar, but those are just two of the false stories that I've, I've had to work through in the last couple of years. My friends, in very short order, the audio version of Master the Key will be available on Amazon as well as the physical paperback version and the ebook. So if you have not picked up a copy or two of that book, why delay any longer? Head over to Amazon, check out the over 66 reviews that we've had of the book and pick up a copy or two of your favorite format of the book, either paperback, audio, or ebook right now. So hit pause, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of Master the Key, a story to free your potential, find meaning and live life on purpose. Now back to the show. False stories definitely have an influence on how we perceive our giftedness and especially, you know, as it relates to the pursuit of status and achievement. We oftentimes attach talent to our sense of giftedness, right? And so we oftentimes falsely believe that if we lose an expression, one way of how we've expressed our giftedness, then then we lose our gift. The example in the book is, you know, Chaz losing the ability to play the violin briefly, right? Mm. She she thought that she was no longer gifted. And she teaches Steve an important lesson about giftedness. And how is your own understanding of giftedness and purpose and what you're here to facilitate evolved in the last three years? Uh, huge, <laughs> huge evolution on that part of it. And the interesting thing is, and if it's okay, I, I think the core concept of this is the same. I just use different words. Um, and so I think what you're saying, and just correct me if I'm wrong here, her self-worth was attached to the fact that she could play the violin. And when she could no longer do that, she felt worthless. Is that the key concept? Well, we believe that we can only facilitate one thing excellently, right? And that is a false belief. Correct. And the, and the way that we, like, okay, so Tim is a talented businessman, right? But what happens when Tim's business fails? Right. Is Tim no longer gifted? Correct. No, that's not true. Our giftedness is the way that we understand, the way that our gifts manifest in the world is referred to as talent. That's how our limited, that's how we understand it. But our giftedness is is inherent. It's always there. And it's, a, it's up to us. If we lose the ability to, if we lose our arm, if Chaz lost her arm and could no longer, literally could no longer play the violin, could she still redeploy her giftedness in another way and still have the same impact? 
right? Mm, the it's the exactly. idea of that souvenir coffee mug with pens in it, right? Yep. It, yep. It's doing something, but not necessarily the right thing, unless you're the one that put the pens in there right. intentionally. It comes down to intention. So yeah, when you I, think about your giftedness, yep. how has your understanding of that evolved yeah. in the last three years? So I, I really think too, and I, I'm, I apologize, but it, to me, in my mind, everything then connects to if I produce results, then I have value. Mm-hmm. So if I have the gift to be able to, like one of the things was I'm a great networker. I, I can talk and I can speak. And so if I do those things and I produce results and I get the sales to come in, I, put, I create a great marketing campaign, then I have value. And that's the only way that I saw that my gift or my talents had any value was through the production and through the result. And I, the, the evolution for me and for my mind is the fact that as we go through and as we study scripture and we kind of look at some of these different components, God created us with that set of skills and we have value because of who God has created us, not because of the results that we're producing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, in my mind, the gift of what we produce is out of what God allows to be produced. And I know that sounds kind of maybe confusing. I don't know if it's clear or not, but... Let me rephrase the question. Yes. Take it out of the business context for a second. Okay. okay? Like, just be the the awesome Tim Kroll, <laughs> you know, that that you are and... I want you to go with your gut on this when I ask this question. Okay. And I want you to give me your pause for like maybe a second and then, and then give your first guttural response, no matter what the outcome might be. What are you here to facilitate? People's growth. The one thing that I feel like God's called me to do is to help people grow. That's awesome. That's that's where your giftedness is. So it has nothing to do with that's that giftedness and purpose are basically the same thing. Correct. And the the challenge that people have with purpose is they they ask themselves that big huge question, what is my purpose? When instead they can ask a powerful question, more powerful question, what am I here to facilitate? It's not that your first answer that you were answering anything wrong in the first in the first place is I didn't ask the right question. So <laughs> the 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 best question is what am I here to facilitate? And when you answer that, when you say personal growth, that's where your giftedness is. Now you're the way that you can express that giftedness is changes. But here's the thing if Tim loses the ability to to help people grow in one way, he still has the ability to redirect and express 100%. that giftedness, that purpose, that facilitation in yep. a different way. It's Correct. just up to Tim to decide to do it. It's it's if you just look at like people that this this happens, it's physically too, like people that have <clears throat> lost the ability to to use a limb, or maybe they were they were born in a, in, you know, with a, as a con- congenital amputee or something, right? Right. Like I have a friend, Nate Ogden. He's in. A, he's uh, 
in, in a wheelchair. And as a result of two breaking his neck twice, one on us, uh, on a, um, you know, ski jump. And then the other, when they, the hospital dropped him uh, while they were giving him an x-ray and he's permanently in a wheelchair. He can't walk, right? He can't help his kids learn how to quote unquote walk, but with a lowercase w, but he sure as heck is teaching them how to walk with a capital W. Absolutely. And that's giftedness. Right. Right. And and that is something that no matter how it's being expressed, it's always there. And and that's why you have to master your story to see your giftedness in a new light. Does that make sense? That makes a hundred percent sense. Um, and in fact, it quite frankly is the reason last October I took the leap and dissolved all of my e-com business partnerships. Because I realized that that giftedness was not, I was not flushing it out the way it should have. And so I, I dissolved everything. So you're talking about the evolution of what, you know, that gift happened. Yeah, I can help people grow businesses. I can, you know, we talk about that stuff. I coach multiple businesses. That's all well and good. But to be quite frank, it's not what I love about coaching businesses. What I love about coaching businesses is when we start working on things and saying, did you take the time to go spend and go on a date with your wife or with your kids. That's the mm. part that I love watching people grow through. Um, yeah, it's great to have some business growth, but that's not that's not what gets me really super excited. <laughs> so that that actually is awesome that you did that because it ties right into action, right? So you've mastered yep. your story, you you've seen your gifts in a new light, and they've evolved over the last three years, and that leads into the ability to act with intention, right? And you were you were you got off the iceberg before it broke. And it was really scary. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I I, I want to know like how, like a lot of people just because it's so scary, you know, there's this moment in in the book Endurance about the Ernest Shackleton that he Fidel talks about it in the book. There's this moment. Where they're on, they've been trapped on this particular ice flow for a period of months, and they've gotten a little bit comfortable. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the ice breaks open, and they yep. find their first opportunity to throw their boats in the water and potentially row themselves to safety. But it it took it involved risk because they might die. 100%. But but they're comfortable on this iceberg, oddly enough. And so they had to just do it. So did you map out steps or did you just just jump in? Well, this is actually the first time I'm sharing this publicly, to be totally frank with you. So in October, I dissolved it. I, I dissolved all the, the partnerships I had. Uh, and again, the companies were doing well. I think, you know, even still, still to this day, the companies are doing well. But I walked away from all, all my revenue income. Like I, I just, I literally cut ties with it and had, no money coming in. That was that was a huge step. I mean, like it was really, really scary. But at the same time, I also, with a wholehearted feeling, you know, I felt called into that, into this position. And I honestly had no idea what was going to happen. I had no idea if I was going to succeed, if I was going to fail. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And that's the scary part of it. And so if it's okay, let me let me just talk about Joshua for a second because I think this is really really important. 
Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I did do is I, I basically, and it's part of this had to do with the journaling and documentation of stuff is I, I, I for the last year I've written down and I, I've changed my journaling habits and things a little bit. But what I've done is I actually have four different tabs in my journal and I write down based on those four tabs. Number one is I write down confirmations. What those are are people that have told me, hey, you'll figure it out or you'll be able to get it. And there's a couple of key confirmations that I have in my journal. The second thing is a green tab, which is about how God's provided. And so the reason why I have those two things is when I was reading through and, and listening to my pastor do a study on Joshua, they talked about how they put monuments in each of the places. And what blew me away is as we look through that story and how Joshua led the people into conquering the land and taking over the land and different things, is they had small steps all along the way, right? But they didn't know if those steps were going to produce great results or not. And God kept saying, you leave the results to me, you take the step. And so as I look at what I did, I felt that, okay, God's telling me I need to take this step. I had confirmation from my mentor. I had confirmation from how God's provided in the past. And I felt called to take this step. So I took the step, not knowing whether or not I was going to be successful or not. So the first step that the Israelites had to do was step in the flooded Jordan River, not knowing if it was going to part or not. Then the next step is they had to go through a surgery, which basically left all the males incapacitated a mile away from the first city. All that army had to do was walk a mile, wipe them out, and they would be done. The next step was they had to walk around a wall to make it fall down. Who does that in war? And then we could keep going on and on and on about how every time they followed and did the step that God asked them to do, there was success. But every time they didn't follow the step and they didn't seek that guidance, there was a failure. And one of the biggest things that blew me away, like I just, I couldn't even hardly believe it, is they defeated an army that had thousands and thousands of chariots and horsemen and all these things. And God says, hey, I want you to hamstring all of the horses. They're like, wait a minute, we just got all these tanks and we can wipe out everybody else. We're good. We can conquer the land where everything's fine. But now we're going to take these horses and we're going to just turn them into field horses or work horses. And the whole point of this is the fact going back to the results and trying attempting to control the results, which is the way I lived my entire life, that whole false story, the false belief. And I look at how that study combined with the growth and the step of, you know, whether you call it getting off the iceberg or taking the first step into being a calling or all of those things came together at exactly the right moment for God to say, Hey, Tim, this is the step that you have to take. Yes. It's, it's scary. Yes. It's going to be an incredible ride, but at the end of the day, at the end of your time, you can look back and you can say the only success, the only results that have happened was because God did something incredible. And Amen that's a powerful that. that that's a powerful thing right there because it's not mm-hmm. me controlling the results anymore. It's what mm-hmm. God's doing in my life and the the people's lives that I get to have a small part in changing their lives. So I don't and know. So if we're I, just a little we're a little over twelve months now at this point. And how correct. are things going? Uh, <laughs> there's still a lot of scary times. <laughs> Sometimes. So I, I, all right. So. Complete transparency in this, and I think that's that's the good thing about this is, I mean, you still have your mortgage that you got to pay, right? You got to get food on the table. You got bills to pay. And sometimes there's a little bit of debt that comes with walking away from stuff. And there's been times I woke up at 2 a.m. freaking out from the fact that, okay, God, are you going to do it again? Are, are you going to provide again? Or, you know, am I, you know, like you always want to go back to what's comfortable. And every time, every time, I mean, I've got a journal now for a year 
every time God shows up at the last possible moment. And I don't understand why it's always the last possible moment, but that's the way that it is. You know, so there's bills that are due, $1,500, $2,000 of bills due the next day. And some contract comes through and I get paid to be able to pay for the bill. Mm-hmm. Something happens. I mean, like it's, it's happened so much now, it's almost comical over the last 12 months. And still, there are times when I feel like I get tested, like all of a sudden the bank account goes to a negative, even though I'm doing really well, it all of a sudden hits a negative because we had unforeseen bills or we had something that happened that I didn't know. And it's like, all right, God, you're going to do it again. I'm doing everything you said. Here we go. <laughs> Let's do it again. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it definitely is a, a test of faith. It's a test of, am I willing to break that false story and believe and trust like God asked me to do and rely on him? This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. What you are doing is so powerful and so daunting that you have to have a a community of people around you to support you and keep you going and sometimes kick you in the butt and to collaborate with. And that is the final piece it is. of the key. It is community is the ultimate accelerant to growth. And unfortunately, because we going back to the very beginning, most of us haven't mastered our story, our giftedness, our action. And so we oftentimes find ourselves part of the wrong community. And, and so when you think about the three pieces, the three characteristics of a of a thriving community from the book, wild curiosity, collaboration, and correction. Who I want you, I want I want to give you the opportunity to shout some people out. So <laughs> who who are the people that in the last 12 months have been wildly curious about your success okay. in life, not just in business, but, but oh, I life and business. Yeah, I, I totally understand exactly what you're asking for. And um, you're going to give me a little emotional on this just because of the nature of how much they have spent and put time and paid attention to the success of everything. So, you know, the first one I would 100% call out would be um, Marvin Brubaker, who's who currently is my mentor. And we talk once a month and uh, he is an incredible individual. He's from Canada. Um, he's also related. So he's, a, he's my, my uncle via marriage. Um, but he's he runs a company called MentorLink, and um, just a phenomenal individual. And totally, man, he's just completely changed a lot of the thoughts, a lot of the the actions. Uh, Tony Grubmeyer would be another one because we talk, maybe not every week, but we talk quite often. And when situations come up, it's, he's a great voice to say, "All right, are you?" <laughs> he uses this statement all the time. He's like, "Are you cleaning up your side of the street? Or are you trying to clean somebody else's mess up?" And um, it, it, it kind of refocuses you and puts you back into the position uh, of understanding that you, you're only responsible for yourself, not for everybody else. Um, I've got those people I feel are, are mentors and people that are in front of me, and they're reaching back to help me up. 
I have others that are like on the same level. Uh, Steve Brown, Steve Gold, Steve Streifel. It's funny. They're all named Steve. But each mm-hmm. one of those guys, I at any point in time, I could call them up and say, hey, I'm struggling today. And they, they understand. Like, it's like we're all going through that. And I, I really do also have to give call outs to, to the books as well, because for me, it, it, the, the amazing thing for books is the fact that you get to hear somebody else's experiences. You get to hear somebody else's life. And again, Master the Key, that's, it's been an incredible book that I've used and recommended and talk and called to create. I think I've given that book out. Golly, I can't even tell you how many times. I probably bought 20 copies for people. And then the other one is Tony's Be Fulfilled Journal. I mean, I've given out tons of those books because it just helps people move along. Um, I'm sure I could keep going. I, I don't know how much time you have, but yeah. the, the community, it, if it's okay, I really want to say this because I, I came to this conclusion two years ago and I fully believe this. I truly believe there is only one belief that is terminal. And I know this is a big statement, but I, I really, I, I haven't found anybody to prove me otherwise. The only belief that is terminal, both in business and life, is that if you fall prey to the belief that you are the only one that's going through that. Mm. And if you believe that, you won't reach out, you won't ask for help, you won't find other people in the community to help support you. you you'll just isolate yourself, and it's just a downward cycle. And wow. so once I once I grasp that, the, the pull key in the part of the community is spot on. Everything you talk about that, all the three aspects, at the core foundation of that is you have to overcome that belief that you are the only one that's going through it. Yeah. I I love that, man, because I've actually been thinking about the 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 power of belief for a long time. And and you know the the reality is is that when I first started in business, I had this this mentor who he drew this chart on a whiteboard, and he, well, he drew a line, and on the top of the line, he drew the, the word M, and and then he drew a, a vertical line, and next to that vertical line, he drew he drew the letter S, and then below the the horizontal line, he wrote the word belief, and he said. He pointed to the word "believe," the letter B, and he said, "I can help you develop your belief." And then he pointed to the letter S, and I can help you develop your skills. And then he pointed to the letter M, and he said, "But if you're not motivated, I can't help you with that." Right. And it always rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> I, I I never believed. I so I I always felt like something was off in how he outlined that. And the reality is that the only thing that matters in that equation is belief. Because if you believe in your capacity, your ability, your giftedness, your fill in the blank, then you can develop any skill, right? Practically. Yeah. And and then if you believe in your ability to tackle any challenge, even if it's going to be hard, knowing that it's not going to be easy, you don't need motivation, right? So the only thing, you just reinforce what I've been thinking, is belief, right? That is so belief followed by action. Because one of my favorite quotes is that, sow a thought, reap an act, reap an act, sow a habit, sow a habit, reap your character, 
sow your character, reap your destiny. Mm. And it's all, it all begins with belief. And, the, and most of our beliefs are held within the quiet of our mind because you know, scientists me- somehow measured that we have on average about 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day and you and I are, are dudes. So the average guy only vocalizes 7,000 of those thoughts. Maybe you and I are above average, so maybe let's say it's maybe <laughs> right. it's, maybe we're twenty thousand thoughts, right? That we actually give breath to. That still means there's a whole heck of a lot of self-talk going on, and yep. we need to really have mastered the narrative of our life. Narrative psychology is an incredibly important thing because it 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 dir- ties directly to our effectiveness. And I love how you how you brought that home. I want to wrap up with the same three questions that I ask of every single guest. Before I do that, I want to give the listeners a chance to connect with you online. Where would you send them? Uh, two locations. Uh, Facebook would be one location, and the other one would be LinkedIn. And then that's e- the easiest way to get in touch with me, to send me a message. So it's it's Tim Kroll, T-I-M-C-R-O-L-L. And you can connect with me on Facebook, or you can connect with me um, via LinkedIn. and then. We can set up messages that way and go from there. Awesome. First question. If you could pick any skill set that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, what would it be? <laughs> so are we talking like superpower, like Superman kind of power? Or are we just you talking can, like... You can go... It, it's got to be a skill that you already possess, though. So you can't be a fake thing I can't like fly. flying. <laughs> no. So it's got to be a skill that you already have that if you turned it up, to an 11, to a superpower, you know, and have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. Yeah. So here's what I would love to be able to do. I already have kind of a sixth sense. And part of it is through the trauma of what you go through as a child and you learn to read people really fast. Man, that would be a superpower that I would love to have, to have that sixth sense just honed in to anticipate and understand what people are feeling even more quickly. That would be, that would be my thing. Amazing. I, I love that answer. What are th- you already gave one of these answers. So, but the question is what are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us from realizing what we're truly capable of becoming? You already mentioned one of them. What are two more? Which one did you, which one are you saying that I mentioned? Is oh, you, one- you mentioned the, the belief one. You, you talked okay. about that, no, about, about the belief element. Right, right, right. So, and then the other one that I would mention would be the fact that we control results. Um, That's another big lie that we tell ourselves because especially in sales, marketing, and that kind of a thing, we can influence. But at the end of the day, we don't really have control over what people buy or don't buy. We can influence them, but we really it's a false false narrative if you think you're going to make somebody else's mind up for them. Uh, and so that that's a big lie that that I know that I've caught into is the the belief that I can control all of those results. We talked about the one being alone, and then I honestly think the the alone one kind of breaks down into two components because of the fact that you need you need the community to be able to help support you and just to be able to. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to put this into the right words, but I, I, the belief of being alone falls into the category that if we're alone, that means we have to get our own energy and we have to restore mm-hmm. our own energy. But yet mm-hmm. there is a lot of sources out there that will allow us to draw their energy. 
And mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but basically what I look at is, number one, if I'm alone, that means I have to find my own energy sources and create it within, which is not true. But number mm-hmm. two is if I'm alone, then I will never be able to have somebody else that I can go to if there's a problem and mm-hmm. kind of find and find up find another solution. Mm-hmm. So there's two different elements in that. And I'm not sure if I'm clearly No, just, I, I like a, a book would be a great example of that. Right. right. Like you could you, you know, you could be alone, but you can draw from the energy that the author like Correct. myself or or Jordan put into their their Correct. their books, you know. I mean totally or YouTube or whatever. And you can feed off of that. And it can it can it can fill you up, even though you're not necessarily in the environment that you want to be in. Correct. But but you definitely can do that, and that and that's how you kind of clean house and make sure you don't have any, you know, spiders building a nest in your underneath your bed and correct and popping up at ten o'clock at night and uh, biting you. Correct. But it's also important to have a physical person, somebody that you're talking to. Right. There's also that aspect. So I 100% agree with you, but that's what I mean. I feel like there's two elements to that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. Last question. It's 100 years from now. And you ha- what's your favorite art form, actually, first, before I ask this question? Because it ties in. Your favorite form of art? Music, poetry, film? Uh, pictures. Pictures? Wrong. Oh, okay. Cool. What Landscape, black and whites? Uh, what landscape. Kind of- landscape, okay. So. It's a hundred years from now, and you've left a set of instructions for a photographer to compose a a picture uh, of a landscape that encompasses how you might answer this question. The question is, how will Tim Kroll measure his life in the instructions given to that photographer about capturing a landscape? How many lives I've impacted? How many lives have been changed because of something that I said or did? So what would the landscape look like? That's the, because when you're looking at that, I would say it would, it would have to be people that are fulfilling their calling or people that are moving forward and growing. And it may not be exactly them. Let me maybe express this a little bit further. So for example, I'm talking with one individual that I was coaching. He's growing his business, which is awesome. He's going to do, you know, three, four times of what he was doing last year. But to me, the, the landscape or the picture, the way that it would look is him enjoying the time with his family mm. and then his kids growing up and having a solid future because of the fact that he spent and built and left a legacy with those kids and so on and so on. Mm. Beautiful, Tim. Beautiful. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for your support, <laughs> for your belief in in me and what I'm doing and for sharing the Master of the Key message and for coming on the Impact Entrepreneur Show today. Man, I'm so honored to be here. I mean, I appreciate you more than you know. (laughs) You bet. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters, we could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.